In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an amazing guest here with me, Ken Van Luke. Ken, how are you? I'm feeling awesome, Pamela. How are you? I'm pumped to have you here today, Ken. My goodness, is everyone in for a treat with you? Oh, thank you. I'm always pumped to talk to you no matter what. (laughs) You're amazing, Ken. You have done so much and you have so much coming up. Like you're always working on something amazing. And and I love that over a billion in development, which is insane. You basically changed the New York skyline. I don't know what else to say, uh, how much more amazing you can get, but here we are. (laughs) That being said, my number one question is always this. What inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Loaded question, I know. You know, the funny thing was, I I was pretty fortunate that our class trips went to New York City. I think it was the Empire State Building, probably when I was seven years old or something. I just looked out at Manhattan and said, one day I have to get involved in real estate. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but it started at a very young age. And, you know, after, you know, creating a six-year plan in college and realizing maybe engineering wasn't the best path for me. You know, I learned how to build buildings and that led into real estate and it was a long journey that I could tell you all about. I love it, Ken. I love it. And I always ask this question too, is like, what did you want to be when you grew up? So you answered that. So you literally just walked into the Empire State Building. You're like, I want to get into real estate one day. Well, you know, I always wanted to be a sports player like every other young kid, you know, first a fireman, then a policeman. But the Tall buildings in New York City were were so fascinating. And if you've ever been to the Empire State Building, you know, just looking down at everything, I guess the beginning of my top-down thinking years later, you know, came to fruition. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you mentioned like engineering too. So in high school, you had basically set off to college and that's when you studied the engineering? I wanted to be an engineer, but I wasn't that sharp of a high school student. So I got into a pre-engineering program. And three years into that program, thank God I met my wife. She's still with me today. She, uh-huh. I was taking calculus for the third time. I finally jumped the hurdle. And you know, three years after that six-year plan, I, I received an engineering degree from New Jersey Institute of Technology. And what really, I guess, started to grow that vision that I had when I was seven, I won an award that year in a subdivision. And... I said, wow, maybe real estate development would be something that I could do one day. But I wasn't really connecting the dots at that point. You know, I was just wanted to graduate because I've been in college for so long. I'm like, this has to end soon. And the funny thing was, when I finally graduated civil engineering, I couldn't pass the test. So I took the test so many times. And by that time, I built myself up in the construction industry where I was making more money than I could ever make as an engineer. So my engineering career was probably like six months and then I just got the license to kind of open the door. That's incredible. Was there anyone who, who in particular who influenced you to get into the engineering world or is that just something that sort of flowed naturally to you? For um, your- you know, great question. Nothing flowed naturally 
with me other than playing football. I was an all-state football player. But when I was 16, my little league coach asked me if I wanted to work for the Soil Conservation Service. And that summer, I found myself working on a major dam rehabilitation, and I learned how to test concrete and soil. And it gave me a little light about civil engineering. And I was just horrible at math and science, but I liked to test soil and concrete and love the idea of learning about roadways and transportation. It was something tangible. Thank goodness I, I liked something because I wasn't a great student and I was too short to be a professional athlete. <laughs> you know? I love it. It's funny that you said math and science because math and science was like my kryptonite. When I went into my undergrad, because I went in for marketing because I thought I was going to get a corporate job after I graduated and then like my whole life is going to like be so altered and amazing. Yeah, no. And I took an applied calc for business class and that class kicked my ass. And like, I was that kid in high school too, that like algebra, pre-algebra, I could not for the life of me understand. Like, I don't know what it is about math and science. It's just like, my brain is just totally the opposite way. Like I could sit there, I could do extra credit. I could read the book 17,000 times and I still couldn't get it. Now I know why we're both successful in real estate because my <laughs> guidance counselor made my mom cry and told her like, you're going to take algebra over two years because you're not smart enough. You're like in ninth and 10th grade, I had to take algebra and torture myself. And I carried that for a while until one day I'm like, you know, I think I could do this, you know, but it's funny because we didn't allow that to dictate our future, you know, and the good news is real estate's not that complicated as the math we were trying to figure out back then, you know? Absolutely. No, I used to get so mad. Like I used to tell my teacher, I'm like, she's like, you're not going to have a calculator everywhere you go. You need this stuff. And I was like, one day I can almost guarantee you that no, I will not need this. And two, we're going to have a calculator everywhere we go. So like my high school teacher, anytime like I see her or talk to her, I just go like this. I just like show her my iPhone. <laughs> and also I want to let you know that I have never used algebra in anything that I've done. And she's like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> You know, but then there's things like geometry that I was super good at because it's logical, right? You know, but it's like algebra is just like this abyss. I don't know. It's just funny to me how you mentioned the differences because, you know, a lot of people that I know are good in numbers in real estate. And I'm just like, eh, that's okay. funny because, you know, geometry was a lot easier for me too. But, yeah. you know, I think the whole essence of it, it taught us a certain way to think to get us to where we wanted to go, you know? And, you know, and that was the good news. I mean, I, I didn't turn out to be a great engineer. I did get the license and it's opened a lot of doors, but it gave you this way of thinking, you know, it's, it's the problem solving that in real estate construction, what we're doing today, we have to think on our feet at all times, you know, at all times and being in real estate, we, you and I both know that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And and Ken, like brought your experience as you were getting into engineering and all of this, like, was there a specific mentor or somebody who inspired you to sort of go deeper into that journey in the real estate realm? Yes. Yes. You know, I, I was fortunate to work for all these big developers and, and I kept saying, I guess you just have to be born into the family you know? <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't the chosen one, I guess, but you know, as I learned about mentors, because, you know, growing up, my parents were just, you know, my dad climbed telephone poles, my mom was a banker, and they were just go to college. They didn't really know about mentorship. And when I learned mentorship, I looked back at my little league coach and, you know, Dolph DeRoos was, was a big mentor for me. I remember I was 31 years old and I had, we had twins and I wasn't, I was like, okay, wow, twins, that's going to be like 
50 grand a year for college. I already started worrying about college. They were just born, you know? Mm. And uh, yeah, I remember seeing Dolph speak and I bought all his programs and he saw me carrying all these boxes out. He's like, hey, what are you up to? I'm like, I'm building that 30 story building across the water, you know, there. And he's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And we ended up being friends. He sent me all his products. And even I was doing things that I wasn't even recognizing how cool they were. He thought I was really cool. I thought he was really cool. <laughs> 20 years later, we, you know, we're still friends today. He spent a week at my house and, you know, he's been a big mentor, you know, to make me think big or go home, you know, with commercial real estate. And fortunately, you know, I was very lucky, you know, to be in New York city and, you know, some of my mentors, there was one, uh, Lou March who, who said, you know, if you want to be the best in real estate development, you have to go to New York City because that's like going to play in the all-star game. Go play there for 10 years and you go anywhere in the world and build. So I went and I was an overachiever. I did over 20 and, uh, you know, here I am just get to take it a little easier and pay it forward to people, you know, so. Amazing, Ken. So tell me how you sort of transitioned from to go into real estate, like, like your first job, if you will, or your first project. Yeah, in, in 1997, I was kind of staging my move. I had left Bovis and I went to work for a small little GC. It was a women's business owned enterprise. I brought it from five to 40 million. And I was really excited about that because I had figured out how to build and said it was time to move in, you know, into something else. And I had won this design award and I learned how to build. And I was back at my second master's figuring out how to finance it. And I figured I could just kind of pull it all together at that time. And you know, I really had a lot of mentors along the way, you know, kind of guiding me. And at that stage, you know, in, in 1997, when I opened the company, I had a gentleman by the name of Bob Santa I was building a billion dollar project for him in Brooklyn. I just enamored on the way he, he dressed and how he presented himself and, you know, how he managed 500 people. And I, I just really wanted to be like him. And I started just changing my questions. You know, I realized that it wasn't the mind that limited you. It was, you know, the resourcefulness and the questions you asked. So I just started asking people, you know, how could I, you know, move forward and kept getting guidance and one thing led to another and it happened so quickly. You know, I, uh, I don't know if I told you the story on, you know, how I built a $17 million project using other people's experience and other people's money, but that was my first deal. Wow. And it was, it was so fascinating because I, you know, I was so excited. The excitement came on so fast. From when I was 18, I had read, you know, the Robert Allen book, No Money Down, but it was, you know, just a book that I put on my shelf, went to college and, you know, over 15 years later, I was like, you know, I couldn't buy a car back then. So I couldn't comprehend buying a house with no money down, but, mm. and I didn't have any money now. So I, at that point, so I said, you know, I'm going to figure out how to do this with no money down. And I had a chance to go play in an outing at a country club and I was a little guilty and I go to the country club and sure enough, I start daydreaming. I'm like, you know, maybe I could belong to a country club one day. Sure enough, we get done, find out there's an executive special, convince my wife to use the credit card. I joined this country club figuring proximity is going to be power. And sure enough, yeah. in the fourth round of playing golf with a bunch of young hotshots, I'm calculating and this guy's telling me he has 150 men working for him pays him 75 and charges 150. I'm like, he's got a couple bucks in the bank. I might as well just ask him. All he could say is no, if he wants to invest in my company and get the first right of refusal for real estate development. So by the end of the fourth round, he invested a hundred grand, said, I want to be part of the company. And that led to me raising over $1.7 million at that country club and doing a three tranche raise and developing a $17 million project that I did. 
you know, prefabricated that we were talking about before. We built it in 13 months and never looked back. It was really cool. Oh man, tell me about that project a little bit more though, because that was super cool. You said it was just like went up like like clockwork. Yeah, you know, it uh, it started with, you know, just who's ever trying to get started. You know, it starts with sometimes the phone's 500 pounds. You got to pick it up. I, you know, I was talking to architects, engineers, an engineer architect led me to a dentist. A dentist started telling me about a certificate of need. I didn't even know what one was. Come to find out that meant you could build, you know, you could put 113 beds in an assisted living. And, um, you know, it just happened so quick. I remember just writing it down on a, like a piece of, like a napkin going the piece of paper. I said, this will be the LOI. I'm going to give you $25,000 refundable contingent upon approval. And I'm going to take your assisted lit, your CON certificate of need, and I'm going to get it approved. And we're going to build this thing. Next thing you know, I leave with a piece of paper, a written, handwritten LOI. And I took 25 grand that the guy gave me from the golf course and I was controlling this site and it happened that quick. And then I really didn't know how to put the team together. I, I ended up, you know, going downtown, you know, the administrator at the building department's like, sir, you're not allowed to solicit, you know, in our office, you know, cause meanwhile I'm in there going, you know, who can I hire as an architect? You know, who, who's the attorney, you know? And then I got a little wiser and I'm like, well, I wonder who the former board attorney was. And I called the former board attorney and he was like, if you want to get through the board, I'm the guy, but you got to hire this planner and that traffic guy and that architect or civil engineer. And then I learned about putting dream teams together. And then once I put the dream team together, I cracked my teeth on raising money. And fortunately, I had the country club. I used to set up dinners in the president's room and see who was kind of hanging out and little clicks. And I, hey, you guys want to come to dinner next Friday? And next thing you know, I go to Kinko's back then and I get my vinyl board with charts showing my rate of return. And and I was really cool because I had one of those pointers with the light. Yeah, the I mean, like, <laughs> like a little laser, you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was just, it was faith until you make it, you know, I, I was trying not to fake anything, but there was a lot of gaps to fill, you know, when you're getting started and you, you don't have mentors, you don't, you know, have a dad who's in the business and, you know, you didn't have a head start. <laughs> oh, I totally feel you. And I love your humility with this, that you're like, I didn't really know what I was doing, but here I am. I did it anyway. But what I really love that you did, which is so important, proximity. And it's yeah. something that you and I both did. So for me, I, I hired a coach because I was like, I'm not going to try to figure this on, out on my own. There is no way. <laughs> there is no way I'm even going to attempt this. And you did the same thing. Yes. Interestingly enough, you know, you went and you signed up for that country club because you were able to be around the people that would invest in you, which I find so brilliant and so fascinating. And because to raise 17 million on your first project, that's huge. I mean, like, I would understand, like, maybe even a million. Even that's hard, but 17. <laughs> what was the magic secret sauce in making that happen, Ken, as your first project? What I find is, like, it's very hard for, to get people to invest in you. Or what I've seen, because I haven't tried to do this myself yet. But when somebody doesn't have a track record, yeah. right? Like, how do you... Or I guess it's more so dependent on the actual deal. And they look at the internal rates yeah. of return and all that kind of stuff. But... I don't know, like walk me through, like how, how'd you influence that whole thing? Cause I know there's a lot of people listening, especially in the real estate game that they're like, I want to raise money. <laughs> you know, the, the first thing that I, I think back is that there was just nothing stopping me. And my mindset was, this is only going one way. I remember <laughs> the day 
we received the commitment letter and I don't know, it was about four pages of items and my partner's like, God, oh, there's no way we're going to do that. I, I remember snatching the paper off the table and like storming out of his office and just calling in my office and going, I'm going to finish every freaking thing on this list and I'm going to do it by myself, even though I have to do it, right? Because there's nothing stopping me. And, you know, I just had that mindset that it's only going one way, you know, and I think, you know, that was half the battle because there was barricades along the way and not knowing what to do. I, I had to like eat all my pride and just ask questions, you know, and I found how surprising people really want to help you. You know, there was, there was, you know, the, the first six months I had a lot of payables because I didn't have the money coming in, you know, and people stuck with me and, you know, they believed in me. You know, I worked, always worked my, you know, my gravitational pull and, you know, I, I've been known to be a magician, you know, so like, if, you know, if you, you, I could sometimes if you just kind of rub your fingers together, you kind of pu pull a coin out of it sometimes. But. Whoa, 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 <laughs> replay that back, Ken. Where did that come from? <laughs> I grew up doing magic. So, you know, I believe in magic happening at all times, you know, and you don't, you don't necessarily need to know every single thing and be the jack of all trades, master of none, mm. you know, just, you know, stay focused on your outcome and rely on your mentorship. Don't be afraid to ask and you'll get what you want. I love that. Now you got me interested. How'd you get into magic or what inspired you to get into magic? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I uh, I became a really good close-up magician. You could see, like, if you could take the coin, it, it actually vanishes completely right right out of your hand. Just got to give a little blow, and you could just kind of take it and it turns into silver dust. You can hear it still, but you could just kind of squeeze it and bring it back like that. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, when I was young, I saw a magic show, like, at eight years old. And by 12, I was in a magic contest, and I uh, I got whooped. But that guy that whooped me became my best friend. So still to this day, I became a better magician than him. But he won in a magic contest. And I hung out at a magic store to kind of keep me out of trouble for years. And when I was a kid, my dad would drive me around and I would do between 50 and 75 magic shows every year. And most of my magic shows, I would invest back into tricks. I have 300 books and all kinds of magic tricks. And, and then when I got to college, I was a close-up magician. So I would entertain in restaurants and just always hustling. And I love walking up the table, sharing magic, you know, mystifying people, making them laugh. And you know, it's just been fun. And then I learned how to, you know, grow your money. <laughs> so, <laughs> Question. Did you pull any of these ma magical stunts when you were trying to raise capital for real estate? I'm just wondering. <laughs> now, you know, that's not a time you want to start showing people tricks because, you know, you don't want anybody to think that you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. But, you know, with that, it's all integrity. And if you're trying to get $1, you're not going to get the $1. It's, it's kind of a unique approach. If you know, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so fascinating. I'm also a big believer in magic. Just life. Life is beautiful. Life is magical. Yeah. And it can yeah. be as magical as you want it to be. It just depends how much you want to believe in it right? That you can make these beautiful things happen. And, you know, so it's, it's just so funny. I'm seeing the parallels between us and it's like so dead on on both realms and it's so cool. And I love it so much. And I just love your energy and spirit, but that's incredible. 17 mil, the first deal. And then, I mean, I can only imagine that after you mastered that, you can, <laughs> you know, the future was extremely bright. If you can do 17 million on your first deal, I can imagine, you know, what, what was the next project like and how'd you sort of advance? Yeah, we, you know, we went big. We um, moved on to 
a large transit village, which was one of eight in New Jersey at King College. It had a hotel component. We then went on to a project we did on 19th and Park Avenue, 240 Park Avenue. It was a beautiful project. Tom Brady came to look at the penthouse. Then we did 1055 Park Avenue with Trevor Davis. Then in 2008, the market crashed. So we came across some tough times. We actually cracked the code back again in 2014. I, I opened a concrete company in New York City. I poured four 25 stories, one 30 story towers, non-union, which was pretty cool. And then I decided I was working too hard, but yeah, we did like 300 units between 2015 and 16 for other developers. And then, you know, was just positioning ourselves and, you know, last year we bought Larson's Turkey farm and another property in Bridgewater and trying to figure out what's going to happen in the city. So, you know, just doing our thing. And I think I mentioned to you, you know, the digital modern wealth building formula is coming out. One of my goals is just to continue to contribute, pay it forward and all that kind of good stuff. Absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit, because obviously your experience is tremendous and incredible. And you've got a whole brand that you're building alongside now, which is super exciting. So tell us a little bit about that book. You know, the modern wealth building formula was, you know, I always say I, it takes me a little while to figure it out. <laughs> after, I, after I developed the project, I created a program that was called A Figure Deals with No Money Down, because I really didn't use any of my own money. But the name was, you know, wasn't wasn't resonating with me. So we turned it into real estate development made easy. And, you know, we found that, you know, that was great, but not everybody could just dive right into real estate. You know, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, this course is just a little intense for your first course. But, you know, I guess it was this top down thinking. And, yeah. you know, when someone said that to me, like, Ken, you really need to break it down for people was when it hit me. And I was like, okay, I, well, I found it. And I funded it and I facilitated it. And that's where I came up with this fine fund and facilitate system, which was the beginning of the $17 million development. And then I tried it on a commercial acquisition and it worked. And a couple of years later, you know, I, I was like, wow, I wonder if this works for residential. I didn't really know a lot about residential, but people would always say, you know, you don't need money to do wholesaling. And I took over a business where we were doing hundreds of wholesales. And I realized, you know, when you want to scale anything, you need money. So yes, you could do a lot of wholesales without money, but when you have money, it just makes it a lot easier. So we proved it out in the wholesale and that led to kind of us wholesaling stuff to ourselves, and then doing retail. So we created a second stream of revenue. And then after I did it kind of across the board, I was like, wow, this modern wealth building formula is kind of like a blanket, you know, it works for real estate development, it works for wholesale, it works for commercial. Maybe I should try to articulate it. And that's when I started writing the book. So, you know, it's a combination of 20 years of self-development with, you know, the guy likes of Tony Robbins and the Jack Canfields, Landmark Education, and, you know, doing a lot of self-mastery work because, you know, I'm a rabbit hole expert, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I was just blessed, you know, I kind of connected the dots, a little bit of personal development, a little bit of understanding how relationships are so key and having a strong foundation at the house, having children that, you know, get you up early in the morning, keep you up late at night, you know, living your passion and the career that you really love. And I was like, wow, if I can put this into a book, I could reach, I believe, millions of people and, and make their lives a little easier, you know, less friction and well, take a little heavy lifting for them, you know? Absolutely. I love that. Now, Ken, you mentioned a lot about self-development work as well, because I think your mindset has a lot to do with your success, right? Yes. Like, What's been like your biggest mantra that has kept you so positive and like, 
kept that visualization going in your mind and just like to accelerate you to new levels. Cause I, as you're telling your story, I'm listening to you and you're like, there's so many moments where your mindset really stepped in and you're like, no, there is no other way. It's going to go this way. And there is no, <laughs> there is no other option. So walk me through your thought process a little bit in your mindset. Yeah. I mean, one of the mantras that I said for years was I am integrity and honest and loving leader with magical empowering skills to create endless opportunities for all mankind. And you know, I've said that, you know, a couple thousand times I used to be 246 pounds. I weigh 174 today. I started saying that mantra when I left Life Mastery with Tony Robbins in 2000. I was blessed to be with him when the towers collapsed. I lost my best friend that day in the World Trade Center, but I came back so empowered. I had a chance to stand on top of the telephone pole at 246 pounds, and I wrote down 188, 34-inch waist. I reached that goal, and then this year I got into some more micro distinctions. I hit 172 and you know so now i'm just kind of hanging out at 175 and i feel great my metabolic age was 38 years old this week and wow energy that's amazing so you mentioned that tony robbins retreat was a big part yeah that tony i mean that's what led me into personal development i i mean i always believed my sports you know growing up i was always trying to become better personally in my sports and i i can't say enough how i I believe sports played a huge role in, in my life and you know hopefully young children get involved in some type of organized sport because there's nothing like, you know, having a coach, you know, that sees things in you that you can't see. <laughs> and I have parents that were worried every day, you know, it was the coaches on the football field going, Hey man, Lou, you, you can do this. Let's go. Let's go. I always talk about the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders play such a massive role in your life. The people that are just there and it's like, keep going, right? Like their value is so immense. Like there's no better feeling than to have those cheerleaders. And it's like, in my life too, is my father. He was like, I'm seven years old. He's like, uh, Pam, you're going to be a leader. You're not going to depend on any man. You're going to make your own money. Don't even worry about it. And I remember just like being there sitting there so confused, but as like, he just kept repeating it, you know, as I was getting older and older and older. And now I see, I see the, the effect of that. His affirmations really stuck in me and like his cheerleading for me has really shaped me out to be an independent person to do my own thing to do but like it's crazy like how much those cheerleaders in your life i call them influence you that brought back you know the cheerleaders on the football field for for them we won championships i just remember those cheerleaders they were something man if it wasn't for the cheerleaders on the sideline i don't think football would be the same you know Mm-hmm. And that's how life is. You know, that's a great analogy. Thank you for sharing that. That, that really resonated with me. Thank you, Ken. No, yeah, yeah. And as you were talking, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, hmm, it's, it really is the cheerleaders that make the difference. They bring that energy. And when you feel down, they're just like, nope, come back up again. And it sounds like you've had quite a few cheerleaders in your life, which is yeah. amazing. And Ken, you know, like for as I know, there's a lot of people listening right now who, you know, whether they're interested in real estate or they're looking to raise funds or they're entrepreneurs that are looking to raise funds for another business. Like what would be some of your biggest tips? I guess you could mention one that's real estate specific and one for just entrepreneurs in general. What would be like your biggest piece of advice? In the context of raising money, did you say or? Yeah. I mean, I think is real estate, the number one hurdles, the money aspect. So I guess on the real estate specific one, we can talk about that. You know, I think, you know, the biggest thing with money is that, you know, the story you're telling yourself in your head isn't true. Mm. There's a lot of money out there. It's unlimited funding, truly. 
and people are looking for trustworthy people to invest in. So, you know, if, if you're not believing that, then you're, you're preventing the money to come to you. Mm. There is unlimited money and, you know, build it and they will come. Yes. Most real estate deals will attract the money, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I mean, that also applies, you know, the, the one thing that I would say in, in any type of raising money or whatever you're trying to enroll somebody in the key is really understanding what's important to them and what they really care about. And in that process, empower them, because if you can help them achieve what they want, then you'll get what you want. And the more people you help, the more success you'll have. I love that. I love that. And also aligning yourself with proximity too, which I thought was very important. Yes, that, that's a given. I, I, you know, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, a young kid from Highland Park, uneducated parents to, to be able to get into the presence, president's room at a country club and raise $1.7 million is a testament to proximity. Amen. The underdog story, which I love so much. Oh, man. And, and what advice would you give to entrepreneurs in, in general based on your journey, Ken? You know, all the principles of the modern wealth building formula apply, you know, apply to entrepreneurship and any type of business. You know, you have to you have to work on, you know, Sean Callagy, he's summed it up, you know, best, you know, self-mastery, process mastery and influence mastery. I did it in a little bit different format, but he has it summarized in 18 items, which, you know, really, you know, sum it all up, but it's, it's really working on yourself. You know, you're the only person that you can control. You have to control your state. You know, there's a whole emotional IQ component to it. You know, life isn't really balanced. So if you're sitting there going, oh, I want to create a balanced life, you know, that's not going to happen. You're going to be working like crazy, building a family like crazy. You're always going to be imbalanced. And you just got to understand that's just part of playing a big game, you know, and at the end of the day, all you're going to have is your word and reputation. So if you're playing big games, you can't keep your word, you clean it up and you just always do the next best thing. I, I find I help people as much as I can. You know, sometimes I help a little bit too much. Sometimes people, you know, you want to help them more than they can help yourself, but just stay true to your values and honor your word and stay focused, time block, you know, what you want in five years, reverse engineer on what you should be doing today so you can accomplish what you want in five years and keep it simple. <laughs> Amen. And now the burning question, which I always ask, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Don't worry. <laughs> I spent so many hours just worrying, you know, worrying yeah. up late at night and working too many Sundays. You know, I, I, uh, I've worked, you know, way too much. And, you know, I realized that that sometimes journaling and going into critical thinking, like now that you know, as I got a little bit older in life, I, I get so much done just by spending that little bit of quiet time thinking like, oh, I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work. So, you know, just um you know, take a take a step back. You, you know, we're all in the woods, in the weeds. You gotta step out and look at the forest and you know, look at the big picture and, you know, envision yourself, you know, as a drone, you know, flying over and, you know, kind of seeing what's going on, you know, because sometimes, we, you know, we get fogged and distorted and, and, and it happens quickly, you know. It really does. It really, really does. Because sometimes you get so deep in it that you're just like, you know, you become a machine and it's hard to kind of pull yourself out of routine. Yeah. You know, I find myself struggling with that sometimes. Too. I'm like, I need to journal. I need to sit down. But that is just like, Boom, 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 all the projects happening. I'm like, ah, 
<laughs> running around like a crazy person. So it happens. But like you said, time block is key. Yeah. Yes. So you never forget about yourself. That's amazing. And Ken, now you mentioned the your book. Now, what else is new in your world? What's coming up next for you? We have our Modern Wealth Building Formula digital prop program is hitting the market in a couple of weeks. Real excited about that. Dolph DeRoos and I are planning on creating something with real estate riches and the modern wealth. We don't know exactly how that looks yet. We're doing some huge things with Unblinded and creating a real estate Unblinded entity, which should be real exciting. We have stuff going on with Chris Crone. We have developments in New Jersey and throughout the country. So it's just fun, fun, fun. And my daughters are getting married. My son just got orders to become a reconnaissance officer, which is the Navy SEALs of the U.S. Marines. I love them to death. I pray for them every single day. Amazing, Ken. Oh, my God. That all sounds absolutely incredible. And now with that being said, where can everybody find you and your awesomeness so they can keep track of all this wonder that you're creating? KenVanLu.com. You can get my, my phone number there. There's a strategy session. If you hit the discover how button, you can get the book for free. Just come online. There's some goodies and join the crew. Have some fun. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Oh,